Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Well, good evening. I'd like to welcome you to the Stop Child Abuse Now talk radio show sponsored by NASCA, which stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Penelope Bennett, and I am from Sarasota, Florida. On my host team this evening is Kim Lakin from Colorado. We are both adult survivors of child abuse, and we welcome you to our show. It's Monday, December 11th, 2023. And uh, our type of show tonight is an open mic, um, open topic night. We welcome you to call in and ask us questions or bring up topics that you'd like to discuss that uh, 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 are (laughs) relevant to our mission, which is, uh, as you know, NASA is all about child abuse, trauma prevention, intervention, recovery. We have a single purpose at NASCA, and it's to address issues related childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. The first goal, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo, and discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. The second goal of offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. So to join our show um, and to be on the panel this evening, it's just a simple phone call, area code 646-595-2118. Again, the number to call is area code 646-595-2118. And my co-host, Kim, will meet you on our back line and welcome you into the show. And as a panel member, you'll be able to ask a question or pose a comment um, or throw a topic out for discussion this evening. So we we welcome your calls. Um, So we uh, have a growing panel. We have Philip, who has joined us this evening. So welcome, Philip. And I'm going to unmute your line. Um, and Kim, as I mentioned, my co-host. And, you know, just it being December, and I know um, for myself that 
um, even though I am, you know, years now into my recovery, um, it's something that I work through and I work on every single day um, as an adult survivor. Um, and I'm, you know, on the journey. Um, I find that the holidays in December are particularly can be very hard. Um, despite the busyness um, and despite um, some of the gatherings and the parties and the food and the decorations and just the fact that um, everybody's out and about and there's a lot of life um, around this time of year, um, I still find it for myself it can be difficult. Um, It can be difficult with um, uh, relationally, with interactions with family, um, especially if you come from a home um, where there was, um, um, if you're an adult survivor of child abuse, um, and uh, and there are some patterns that still remain, um, as mine do, from um, that haven't changed since childhood. So, for me, um, December is um, full of a lot of highs and lows, um, and uh, I find myself um, navigating um, through the month and trying to enjoy. Um, the time of the time of year, um, but also using energy to try and balance some of the things that are more difficult. Um, so, um, I'm I'm interested in if anybody has any strategies, um, whether they're uh, managing triggers um, or managing um, um, some of the interpersonal relationships that have to do with family members. Um, if you have any, um, would like to have a discussion, I'd love to have a discussion about this, um, or any, you know, best practices that you use, things that help during this time of year, um, um, help with the things that are a little bit more uh, difficult. So I'd like to just throw that out there. Um, but, Kim, I'll invite you um, as well to see if there's um, anything else um, that's top of mind for you. Yeah. Thanks, Penelope. Um, I was just talking to Philip on the back line and that's what him and that's what he came up with as well is right along those same lines of how do you, you know, how do you deal with the holidays when you've got a lot of past traumas that you're still dealing with and thinking about a lot. And so I was just sitting over here smiling as you were telling, as you started talking, I was Uh like, well, you guys must have been on the same wavelength there (laughs) then. So (laughs) That was good. But I know Philip um, won't be able to be on with us a whole lot because he's going to get some glasses. So, but I told him I would let him let you know what he was thinking as well. So that was what he was. So I don't know if he can talk or not yet, Philip, but. I can talk. There. Oh, great. Yeah. Do you have anything? Specific or, I mean, you know, I know that you're sharing with the person that you're driving with. I'm not going to give away who that person is, but um, was there anything you wanted to say along those lines? Well, maybe like volunteering as this equipment, Carol does. She volunteered with like two weeks ago, and that helped her escape the holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like having a pur- having a purpose. You know, having a purpose and serving others can definitely, you know, help. I agree. I agree. 
we can take the focus off of ourselves and we put the focus on on something else um, and doing work on it that benefits someone else in a positive way is a very uplifting uplifting feeling i I believe yeah so that's absolutely a great, that's a, yeah um I belong to a book club and we decided to all pitch in a little bit of money and adopt a family as well this Christmas. And we went shopping for this family and we wrapped the gifts for this family. And um, we had a description of who was in the family and what their ages were. And, um, and that was, I've never really adopted an entire family before. I've, you know, I've donated gifts to, to, to families in need, um, random gifts, but I've never actually participated as a group in helping one particular family. And their needs were very simple and basic. They they requested, um, I believe it was coats and shoes and things that they could wear to school. Um, they were not, you know, they were not any um, frivolous items. They were very basic, you know, necessities, if you will. And so it felt really good know that um, we're helping, you know, um, provide um, for this family and um, so that they can, you know, they can go to school and be well clothed and participate in all the activities. And that really did feel very, very good. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I love Kim or Philip, if you guys have ever, you know, taken on any other type of, um, you know, giving back type of, of work, but that's something that... Um, that we did this year, and um, I don't know if you know you, you've had any other suggestions or any other experiences doing similar types of things um, that may be out there for other people to consider. Yeah, I um, well, I know I recently have even been thinking, oh, I really need to get back into volunteering somewhere with children and. Um, so I I do I do want to think about that the first of the year I I do have a lot going on and so I shouldn't overwhelm myself with it but um, but then again I I start to think you know you and I are volunteering every week and and more so even when we're doing this show so you know I feel like that is a a way for me to give back and I don't always look mm-hmm. at it that way because I just feel like we just do it and. You know, but we're volunteering our time. I mean, and it, you know, both, like I said, both of us do other things as well that are um, around the show too. That are is a big deal. We, you know, we are helping to make sure that NASCA continues to go grow, and that's important and and be here. So um, it's an important volunteer position that we hold. And sometimes I kind of forget about that. I don't know, maybe because I'm. Mm-hmm still in my house, you know, it's not like I'm getting out and going to volunteer somewhere, but, um, but yeah, I, I, and I enjoy it. I'm, I'm glad that I can be of service in this way as well. It was just, I think that my thinking has always been, that's what I've always done is volunteered with children. And, um, you know, the last seven or eight years, it's been more about educating adults and, you know, even the, the classes that I do, the ones that I do online on Zoom that I set up every twice, twice a month, those are 
I don't get paid for it. So those are volunteer. Now I'm going to have to probably start charging for it because we're going to a new curriculum with Starsis to Light and we're going to have to, um, they're going to charge me every time <laughs> that I have to do a class. So it's going to change a little bit, but you know, but still. They're charging you to I'm do a, a class? Well, what, what it's coming down to where we, we used to just have kind of open access you know, like you pay one fee, based, you know, as you become a facilitator and you get all of the materials and then you just reuse those. Well, now mm. it is you buy individual seeds. So I am, uh, although I am very lucky and blessed that I live in Colorado and it is a, a state that has grant money. And I've mentioned this before. So I get paid for most of the classes that I go and do that have 10 or more people. And if the, and it has to be in Colorado. So if I'm doing a, you know, for instance, I did have a, a free Zoom night for my Stewards of Children class and a whole preschool staff came on. And so there was 15 people on there. So if, but they were at, from a different state. They were like in Texas or something. So really technically I could have submitted it if they had been in Colorado as well. But um, I don't always, you know, look to be paid on those normally. But now that they're going to start charging me per seat for the free ones anyway, when I, if I do, like I said, if I do the other ones where I can get the, the mini grant money, you know, I can apply for that at, with 10 or more people, then I get paid. But um, so that's kind of what, why it's going to change, I guess, <laughs> is that aspect of it. It's because they will charge me just because I'm doing it on my own and I'm not going through mm -hmm, the grant mm -hmm. or anything. So yeah, that's that's the whole deal. <laughs> but you yeah, know, with, I, you so, know, oh, yeah, a lot of yeah, just, I mean, they cut, they talk, they say what time, talents, and treasures. So sometimes it's your time and your talent, and I guess sometimes it also includes your treasures. You know, um, <laughs> these are you know these are time commitments, and um, you know that is of a lot of value. Um, and you're out, you are in the community, but with NASCA. As we discussed, we do do this from our home, um, but doesn't negate the fact that it is it is work that gives back. Um, yeah. So if you're listening in and you want to get involved with NASCA, we have lots of opportunities to help um, if you'd like to help. So lots and lots of opportunities. And you yes. can see that on our NASCA website, how many different offerings that NASCA has and how many different um resources are available and all those resources do take time and effort so um but but i i do you know i do think that it is really really nice you know to give back and, and especially with nasca when i'm not on the shows i'm telling people about nasca and about the shows and so that's a lot of marketing and, and awareness that i do out in the community just when i talk about it um that's not necessarily, you know, on the phone right now, but and that's part of the outreach. And I think that's, I consider that, you know, giving back. Um, the more, the more that we talk about it, the more that we bring awareness, we are, you know, giving back in that sense, because we're, we're bringing people into the community that way. Right. Yeah, I know that you had talked about doing some volunteer work to fill up. You do that once in a while, don't you? I do it three times a week. 
Yeah. Tell us what you do again. Well, I'm the secretary for the NA meetings on Tuesday, and then on Thursday I'm I do the secretary's job and I set up, and then on Sunday I do parking at my church. Oh, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. You're... So, yes, churches, but I know that churches are have a lot of um, also opportunities for, for volunteerism. They're, they always need a lot of uh, support, if you will. Yeah. Most people, if if you've been ever near, ever lived near a Greek Orthodox church, a Greek church, you know, those Greek, the Greek churches have the Greek festivals, which are their main fundraisers. So we, our family works with those. Um, we've always done that as a family event, and that's always been, you know, really fun to give back with, with my, you know, my children and to kind of teach them that. So, um, I would say, you know, churches are a great place to go to during the holidays if, if you want to volunteer or give back in some way. Yeah. Do your boys have all of them still kind of? kept that up as well in college, their religion and their yeah. faith. And... You know, that's, I would say that's, that's one thing we did right. Um, yes, we, um, we introduced them to the church, you know, when they were really young. Um, and then we, um, we sent them away um, during the summers to church camp where they really, really, you know, got a concentrated dose of, of, really understanding, you know, the church and their culture, because we're Greek too, a lot of it has to do with the culture, the ethnicity, the food, you know, the dancing, and so um, they 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 were so exposed to it, and they really um, found a, um, I think a lot of pride um, in that, and a lot of sense of knowing who they were, that not only do they stay involved in our, in our church um, where we live, where their hometowns are, but also that was a big um, factor when they selected their respective colleges is that they, they, they needed to be near a church, a Greek Orthodox church. And so they all selected colleges where they're within like 10 minutes of their churches. And so they're all active in their churches um, where they go to school. Um, And, uh, and I think my middle son's going to apply to be a camp counselor in Greece um, at the camp that they were, that they, that's available um, in Greece. That's actually where they went camp a couple times um it's a three-week camp outside of athens um so um yeah so that was they they do and they um they've always worked the festivals and things so they've 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 learned you know to give back um um and i think you know as whether you're a parent or you know um just obviously an individual i think sometimes the best teaching is when you can like set an example, you know, through just your own actions. And I think that our kids, you know, watched us be involved um, and, and they, you know, were involved just through association, you know, being our children, they worked at the festivals. But I think when people know, when you tell, you know, the kind of work that you do, your volunteer work, Kim, your, you know, your, your um, darkness to light work, I, I just think by setting an example, you know, people are, observing and learning and I think that that also really is a powerful you know um, way to to teach um, and to encourage others to um, get involved so well thank you yeah I think um, 
I definitely like the curriculum. So I think that there, that was also one thing that I felt very strongly about is our faith and, you know, and not even, I know it's a little bit different because I'm not, I don't, there's not such this family and history of our faith, but I knew when I was a child that I wanted to be able to go to church with my children because my parents didn't go, you know, but again, my mom knew that that was important because she sent me to church. And so at some point she realized that that is an important aspect of, I think, anybody's life is having some kind of a foundation that you come from. And, you know, I think that that helps if if you talk to a lot of survivors, a lot of times they have some foundation. They, you know, it's Mm -hmm. religion or it's, um, you know, I, I don't, there is something there. (laughs) Mostly religion, I guess (laughs) it is what I would say, mostly religion. And so, um, I think that that's important to kind of stay grounded. And I, and I wanted my kids to also, because I was sent to church without a parent and didn't feel like I could necessarily um, always ask them questions. And, you know, I probably wasn't able to grow as much as I could have if I would have had parents that were a little bit more engaging in that way. But, um, but I, I realized that my mom wanted me to have that foundation and I wanted that for my kids. I just wanted to be with them when I did it. And I know mm-hmm. all of, all three of my children too have done volunteer work and as in their adult years. And I really feel like, yeah, I ha- I probably had a little bit to do with that. I pat myself on the back sometimes a little bit. I know my children don't like me to do that, but I, <laughs> well, I, uh, I, you know, I, I do think, I think you can that, take credit for that. I think you I think take so too because their father never did. Their father never volunteered. So, yeah, or took them to church That's or right. you know anything. So I think they got that from me, mm-hmm. and that made me very proud. You know, I don't. I think. Well, my son and and my middle middle daughter, middle child, they still do a lot of volunteer work. My oldest daughter works a lot and has three kids so it's harder for her but um yeah my middle my second child is already getting into the whole school systems and um yeah doing all that fun stuff so she'll be she'll be pretty busy for a while <laughs> once you get your name mm-hmm. into the school roster it's volunteering they don't let you go <laughs> so yeah, yeah true. it's fun but it i mean it is fun and i I always had a lot of fun doing that, at, you know, volunteering at my kids' school. I also wanted to know what what they were doing all the time and were safe, make sure they were safe. And um, so I wouldn't really trade that for anything. And it was a little bit of a sacrifice on our part because we've never really had, we've never had a ton of money, a little bit of tiny Andy Maker's money. But most of the time, I, I also had to do something, so I would take on a a child, a babysitter or something, just to bring in a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. But I still, you know, by the time I got, I think where I was going with that first, the whole volunteer thing in the schools was by the time my son came around, because he was 11 years different from my daughter, by the time he got into high school, I really 
was not interested in, in volunteering a whole lot. <laughs> and I kind of felt bad about that for a little while, but I was like, no, get over it. And that's fine. But, um, you know, it was just because I was in the school system for 25 years at that point, And I was tired of being the one that everybody called all the time. And so mm-hmm. I kind of scaled back a little bit. I don't know that that helped him out a whole lot in high school because he struggled, but, um, but he's, he's a great kid. Anyway, you know, he's a great kid. I think he turned out good. <laughs> so that it helped. Yeah. But I think, oh, yeah. I think that, that is, you know, I think that, the, you know, you're pre- it's important for an adult to be present with their children no matter what they're exposing them to. Um, volunteerism or in the school or not. Volunteerism, I mean, at church or being in the school. But I, I always made sure that wherever my children were, um, and if it wasn't in the school system, if it was at church or extracurriculars, that it was a safe environment for them. And some of that meant hovering a little bit. Um, but um, I think that awareness, though, is really important. I mean, I know I don't want to, you know, disrespect to, I mean, the church um, for my kids was a safe place. But I know we've had a lot of survivor professionals come on where the church was not a safe place for them. Um, and I've never told you this part of my story, Kim, but um, for me, um, I was um, a counselor at a church um, camp, and um, I was horrifically um, sexually assaulted and very um, seriously injured, Um, and um, it was known um, that that happened to me, and um, it was covered up. Um, It was exceptionally damaging. Um, and I think it's a, almost a miracle that I actually didn't turn away from the church. I, I knew at the time that, um, I still didn't shake my faith, um, um, or, you know, my faith in, um, as a Christian. And I know that we're not a Christian show, but I was, you know, I'm a Christian. Um, but I sort of deduced that a church was a business and I was able to separate the two, you know, knowing that, you know, well, the church isn't going to protect me because it's about the money. Um, but, um, but I, um, so that's part of my story that I, I have, I've never shared in detail. I think I will one day. Um, but, um, but I do think, you know, it's as much as, you know, we, we want to give back and we want to get, you know, involved in giving back and, and have our children, um, learn the, um, really the, the tenets of stewardship and, um, and volunteerism. Um, I, I also think it's really important to make sure that they're safe. And it's equally important important to listen to them if they say that they don't feel safe. I just wanted to put that point that out as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think Philip came back. So Philip, I'm going to unmute your line. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I walked away from go. my computer. So. That's all right. He just, he just came back. Hello. So, I got my glasses. Welcome hey. back. You got them? Great. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, you'll have to show them to me on, on Instagram. <laughs> okay. Where, but now, have you guys connected on Instagram? Because he's not on I Facebook. Followed, I followed Penelope, but she, she, I don't think that she goes on Instagram a lot because she didn't follow me back. I don't. Okay, oh. I'm going to look. I'll look it up after the show, Philip, and I'll definitely follow you back. Okay. You're right. I'm not on Instagram that yeah. often, but I'll get on just to follow you. 
Yeah. Um, so what were you ladies talking about? So, so we're still, we're still really talking about um, just way, different ways to give back, and we're talking about the we're still talking about the holidays. We're talking about you know different ways you know to to manage the the headwinds um, as well. You know, the happy times and in the holidays, the happiness that comes with holidays, but also the headwinds, as I call them, some of the more difficult you know aspects of the holidays. And we were still talking a little bit more about. Um, you know, just giving back in different uh, venues in which we've given back in the past. And, um, but I'm curious, I'm going to change it. I've changed, we're on the same subject, but maybe just, just switch gears a little bit. Um, how, for me, another really difficult aspect is um, just, I know we can control who we see and how we spend our time during the holidays. But if you're in contact with, you know, members of your family of origin, then these could be members that were um, involved um, or um, witnessed um, the abuse when we were children. Um, I, you know, for me, um, some of the familiar relations are stronger than others. Some, some of my, my relationships with my family um, are almost non-existent, you know, because of, um, um, and I know many of us experienced this, but, you know, I've spoken the truth about what happened and there's uh, some that wish to remain, you know, in the pattern of secrecy. And so there's been a, there's been a rift. Um, so that's when it gets difficult um, for me is, um, you know, when, uh, you know, there's always um, an expectation or, um the pressure of families to get together over the holidays or at least to communicate in some way, shape, or form or to exchange gifts. You know, these are things that um, if, you, if you've broken the silence and you're, you're a lone ranger in that, um, they, the, the holidays can be lonely. They can be very isolating because um, I'm, I'm not in the club of secrecy anymore. I'm in the club of transparency. Um, and so it's, it's hard, it's, you know, I love, we're tribal people by nature, right? I love my family. So it's very, very hard, um, to, you know, be an outsider, if you will. Um, and really to have to acknowledge during that time of, during this time of year, um, that there is, there have been risks and there have been, you know, consequences, if you will, of, um, of coming, you know, coming forward and doing the work. And so that is hard. That is really hard and, um, and painful, um, quite frankly, um, during the holidays. And um, I try and shut out, you know, shut out the thoughts and shut out the noise, but it does hurt on, 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 uh, on a fundamental level. And I'm wondering if anybody, you know, has an experience with that and how you deal with it. So, Kim, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's, yeah, the holidays are, are really hard. It's a hard time. Here. I know for a lot of people. And, and then I know for me and, and for a lot of people out there, too, my mom died right before Christmas. And so it, it makes it, it mm-hmm. puts that extra burden of stress on, on me at that point. And I, um. I need to be able to um, 
honor her a little bit and, and then also for a long time I had really wanted to take over. You know, I wanted it. I still wanted Christmas Eve to be the way that she had it, and I still wanted everybody to come around. And, you know, slowly people started not coming around as much. And um, and then my brother died, and his birthday is right. Well, he was born on Thanksgiving, and so that just kind of puts the whole holidays into a bit. Mm-hmm. But I try, over the years, I've been trying not to let it get me so down and still be able to enjoy all of the the festivities that come with it, you know, like doing things with my grandkids and making cookies and and stuff. And um, I've got now it's completely, I mean, it's switched quite a bit. It, and I've, I think I mentioned before that I've struggled with my daughter and I, well, both my daughters, but my oldest daughter is, um, seems to have the most against me and doesn't really tell me what it is. I feel like a lot of her issues with me revolve around me trying to discipline her at some point or another and um, not getting any kind of support back. And so now I'm Mm -hmm. getting kind of the shoulder from my daughter, which I never thought, I I mean, I knew when I was raising my kids, I wasn't perfect. And I've even told them that many times that I'm not perfect and, you know, you'll probably need therapy, but I am, you know, I don't, I've never thought I was perfect. And um, now it's, you know, it's become just so hurtful and mean that I just can't even understand. Yeah. I just don't know where to go with that, but I did feel very alone this week, this weekend making cookies with my whole family in my house. And I felt very alone. And I was um, thinking then also throughout today, I haven't felt real good today. My stomach's been messed up. But um, So I haven't been doing any, you know, any computer work or anything that kind of made my mind go the other way. <laughs> so I was thinking, you know, I, I think it is because of I've never felt that. It's, I've never felt completely loved and wanted and deserving and, you know, it. I've always felt like I've had to push for that. And um, and so that's a hard, I think it's hard as, as survivors then to, unless you have, you know, somebody in your life that's constantly building you up and telling you, you, you are a good person and that you are, you know, beautiful and all this, that it's hard for survivors to pull themselves out of this, these funks that we get in to that, aren't really necessarily our fault that, you know, it had kind of correlated from our abuse. And I think that I, I dropped the ball and places with my children when it comes to communication. And um, even though I was in a lot of the places they were, and there could have been a lot better communication going on, but, um, but that was throughout our whole family. So it wasn't like, it was just me, and I, I felt like I was spending their whole childhood just making sure that everybody's happy. You know, that was my job is to make sure that my husband was happy mm-hmm. and the kids were happy, and um, and that's been a struggle all the time. <laughs> Every year, 
especially you know, you know around mm-hmm. the holidays, it is a struggle because I do everything. So there, there's my babble. <laughs> I don't. Well, I did sit there lonely this weekend. It, I, I think it is also really difficult when you, you know you try and you know you try and you give and you give and you give and you try and change you know the trajectory and the pattern um, from what you had as a child um, to what you wish you'd had as a child when you're raising your own children. So you're just giving and giving and giving. Um, it's just really hard um, to. I guess get you know get to the point where you're receiving a little bit back, you know, especially some sort of acknowledgement of your efforts. Because um, that's really to me, it's about validation, a little bit of validation, not complete validation, yeah. but and and I think sometimes I think, well, did I do such you know did you or I think about you know you Kim, did you do such such a good job of giving? That no one in your family, you know, would ever consider giving back to you because you're that's just your job, that's your position, you know, that was your um, you're the giver, right? You're you're the giver. Um, um, it seems like you know, um, it's hard to just then, uh, I think, for them, I don't know, it just seems like it, and, and in my talking about my own experience too. And if sometimes I just want someone to give something a little bit back to me, you know, I want a little validation. I want a little um, acknowledgement, you know, acknowledgement of, of what's been given or what's, you know, even the effort. And I know that I have, like you said, you haven't been perfect. I haven't been perfect either. Um, but some of them, the validation of, you know what, but mom tried, you know, you tried. You did your best. You yeah. tried. You tried something different. You tried something. You tried to be better. Um, you try to change, you know, the course of history by parenting differently. Um, an acknowledgement that you tried. And I um, I almost wonder if, you know, sometimes we're just, we're fighting, you know, we're fighting patterns of just patterns of, you know, people's roles, tr- roles that they've taken, you know. Um, roles can cross, you know, just because, um you know, we've given and the children have taken, you know, or benefited doesn't mean that that role can't, you know, cross and that, that the child who's been the receiver can't now become the child that, you know, gives something or acknowledges something and um, that makes sense. Um, but I think, yeah, I think a lot of survivors yearn, you know, as children, we yearn for acknowledgement. We yearn for acknowledgement that we were we were loved that we were worthy. You know, we tried, you know, there are a lot of things. I feel like there are a lot of things I yearned for as a child because I didn't live in a, a safe or peaceful or, you know, um, environment where I felt secure, you know, and where I felt that I could be myself and I could be, um, even if it was a fallible, you know, self and not be um, punished and hurt you know, and um, and really persecuted all the time. Um, so I think, you know, um, that longing to have some, you know, acknowledgement is, um, well, for me, it's, just, it's not unusual. It's, it's a very 
when you're talking about it, I can very it's very familiar to me. I can I can very much understand what you're saying. Oh, thank you, Penelope. I appreciate that. You know, I think back about like when we first got our house and you know, his parents were having their thirtieth anniversary. I invited all of their friends over to, you know, celebrate them and my parents had their 25th anniversary, and I invited all their friends over, and we had a party and celebrated them. And, you know, my anniversaries came and went with nothing. I mean, most of the time, not even any acknowledged, well, I guess acknowledgement. Cause, and he's, he's always, my husband's always been good at picking out good parts. They say very good things on them. But, you know, you've got to hear those things more than in a card once a year. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I just have never felt like if I told him he was like, we're throwing away all these years. I'm like, what years? We've never celebrated any kind of years that we were together, you know, and we've passed several major milestones in our, you know, living together and being together. And um, yeah. So I, I think that was one thing that's just been very hurtful to me. I'm just like, really? Nobody could have celebrated us at all. His parents, my parents, you know, <laughs> the people mm-hmm. that we did parties for before. So, or our children, and I kind of, I think I just kind of thought that my kids would naturally want to celebrate us if we were together, you know, for that long, and um, yeah, so it's been interesting not receiving that back, and you know, I shouldn't throw out there all of the parties and all of the, you know, gifts and everything that I've done for them all their lives, but I did, <laughs> you know, I, I did it because I loved them. I didn't really do it because I'm trying to hold it against them, but yeah, it would just be nice to get something back a little bit once in a while, not always feel like I'm the only one that has to continue to give and give and give and give, and it is that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, I feel like, is their mindset, so I can't really do much other than just be available to babysit, and I've, you know, been told that's my role, (laughs) so yeah, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's hard to do that, but I'm learning to deal with it all the time. And, you know, there are times that I, I really wonder if, you know, this all isn't happening right now because I do need to find, and I'm I'm not going to say that I'm looking right now either, but eventually that there is going to be somebody out there for me that wants to treat me in the way that I deserve to be treated and should, you know, should be treated. Mm -hmm. Any, everybody, the way everybody should be treated. And I, I know that I won't settle next time. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of my insecurities helped to keep me in, you know, a relationship that was just all me giving, giving, giving. Everybody was happy with that. Everybody was happy until I just started, you know, <laughs> voicing my opinions. <laughs> if I just wouldn't have voiced my opinions, everybody would have stayed happy. So we would have been just fine. But <laughs> You know, you can't do that all your life. And I think just about everybody gets to a point in their life where they're like, no, I need realness. I need truth. I need, I can't just keep sticking my head in the sand and saying, oh, everything's fine when it isn't. But it's harder to do that probably as a survivor, I would think. Well, but I also think that, that that's part of the recovery and growth is to know, you know, is to actually, you know, work and work to the point where you realize, you know, you, you learn about what 
you know, a better health, you know, a more healthy adjusted, you know, relationship looks like. Um, and the fact that, you know, to accept the fact, I think, too, to have enough, I guess, self-respect, right, to, to know that that's the kind of relationship that's not only healthy but deserved, right? And it sounds like that's where you are. And that's really part of the beauty of recovery and growth is is, is only being willing to accept, you know, a relationship that's that's well adjusted or better adjusted. Um, that's part right. of recovery, and that's the hard part because we evolve, um, and change has you know change takes place, and not all change is easy. No, it so, really sucks. Yeah. So Philip, um, I didn't know if you had any other comments about this topic of relation, interrelational um, conflict or interrelational um, uh, issues during the holidays? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you. Well, thanks. We always appreciate you calling in, Philip. It's always great to have you on. Thanks. It's great to be here, to be honest with you. Great. So, you get to hear us old ladies complain. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just a little humor there for a minute. (laughs) Hear us old ladies. I'm all speak for yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I think, you know, but one last thing, you know, I have done is I, I think part of the holidays and, and being able to, you know, manage through the holidays and some of the, um, you know, the harder aspects of the holidays is, you know, realizing that, you know, whether um, I may not have a house, you know, a house full of 20 people, you know, all of all of the, you know, relatives may not all get along or, you know, be present, that I do have the um, ability, you know, to have to take control over certain things. And I focus on what I can take control over. And one thing that I can take control over is how we, you know, how I like to spend the holidays and some of the traditions that I want to um, start with my own, you know, my own family. Um, or family members that, you know, wish to be present. And um, and just knowing that I have the control to make, you know, that I'm the adult now and I have the control to make some of the decisions helps. Um, and there's small things, like any Christmas cards that come in the mail. Um, I've started a tradition the last, I think it's about five years now in a row, where I save all the cards and we sit around, whoever's around on Christmas Day, and we go around the ta- the dinner table, and after dinner's over, and we open up all the cards one by, you know, and, and we pass them around. You know, we read them, and we just look at them together. Um, and just little things like that that I just realized that I can, you know, I'm not a little girl anymore, and I'm not um, um, beholden um, to anybody else, um, and that I, you know, I have control to, to – you know, set the activities and set, you know, set the stage for how we're, how I'm going to spend the day and the traditions that I want to establish, you know, um, with my family. So that, that helps too, that things don't, 
things can change and that I can be in, in control of that change. And that, that has helped. That makes sense. Um, I think. So, um, I, yeah. I, I think um, for me, it just seems, no, I, yeah, I, I have given up on trying to get the whole extended family together. And I think COVID probably was a real, was a, you know, a wake up call that um, it's probably not going to go back to the way that it was. And I fought for too long to do it. So, you know, I am trying to keep alive the traditions that I like. Like, you know, my granddaughter and I went to the Nutcracker um, ballet last weekend, and that's something that we've done for many years. Well, we did. I did it with my girls as well when they were growing up. And so I'm like, I want to keep that tradition. I like going to it, and um, not a lot of people want to go. So if it's just her and I, then that's fine. And we have a good time, and so, yeah, I, I'm coming up with those two. And then just having my kids and grandkids over on Christmas Eve, which I had kind of started to do that before COVID anyway. I was trying to get the extended family together on another night because I knew everybody was busy on Christmas Eve, but that had always been the only time my brother's kids could come by. And so we always did Christmas Eve. So, yeah, things change all the time, and it's not always easy. I, I am not happy all the time about all the changes. I don't thoroughly want, you know, all of, I don't want my family dynamics and what I've started to set up to change a lot as far as after I'm divorced and we're not living together, you know. So I think that's going to be really important to me, too, to be able to still be, you know, amicable with my ex-husband and not mm -hmm. feel like I am, you know, fighting against him all the time because we're going to be in each other's life for the rest of our life. We, we just are. We've got grandkids and kids, and, you know, things just happen. So, um, yeah, I think that that's my kind of my hopefully new mantra going forward is that I'm going to do what is right for me and, and my family. And I'm going to stop trying to include everybody else and, you know, because I don't seem to make everybody happy all the time. So no matter what I do, even when I'm trying to be perfect, so I might as well just give that up. <laughs> it's too much work, way too much work. Yeah, it is. It is, and I think, I think you've been there, done that, and I think that you're just taking control by making a decision to, you know, be flexible with yourself and not with anybody else. And that's what it sounds like to me, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can tell yourself, try to make everybody happy. It doesn't sound like, you know, I've been in those situations yeah. where I know it's like no matter how hard you try, you're never going to make, you know, you're just not going to be, you're not going to totally succeed. So what's the point as in, you know, in killing, your, killing yourself? I mean, not literally, you know, figuratively killing yourself, but it's just, um, you know, to be more gentle with yourself and to just, you know, Give yourself a break and 
and knowing that you deserve to have some, you know, contentment um, and it doesn't have to all be, be all about them all the time. At least that's what I'm yeah. hearing you say. And I, I think agree. That's really, I agree. I yes. think that's really a nice way to take control. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, a lot of us get to that stage and, you know, people want to say I'm just bitchier, but, you know, I'm just not taking the crap anymore. I'm just not willing to lay down. And so that's where I'm at. And I know a lot of people, I, I guess what I feel like is a lot of women, especially, and, and I could be wrong, but a lot of women get to this point right around this stage of life. And, you know, we've got uh, throughout our whole life, our hormones are going crazy. And, and, you know, and then they're just doing it to us again in major <laughs> ups and downs. And, um, you know, we need to be able to take care of ourselves better. And, and especially as women, because because Nobody understands what we're going through, except other women. But, right. Yeah, I agree. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> We've had to put up with so many freaking hormones and people telling us that we're hormonal or we're, you know, it's just, it's a bunch of crap because we are going through that. It, it is happening. And so stop giving us crap <laughs> about it. We can be right. mean if we want to once in a while. <laughs> That's my but, thought on it. Anyway. <laughs> oh, it's, I agree. I agree. It's like, you know, but sometimes even if you don't fully understand what someone else is going through, it doesn't mean that you, you know, can't have empathy or at least respect the process and, you know, instead of fighting the process, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, I may not totally understand what someone else is going to do, but it doesn't mean that, you know, I begrudge them of their experience. Um, right. Um, well, I think, you know, we've had some, some really great discussion tonight. And, Philip, thank you for calling in about it is December. You know, these are the holidays, and there are peaks and valleys, if you will, and some of the strategies um, and some, you know, real life examples of just how difficult it can be um, of navigating the holidays and um, whether you're an adult survivor or not, you know, um, um, it's a joyful kind of year. It's, excuse me. It's a joyful time of year. It can also be a difficult time of year. And I think we've shared some, some, you know, great best practices um, and and been pretty real about some of our challenges and um, and I think sometimes just saying hey it's difficult you know it stinks and I'm having a hard time you know when when you're supposed to be putting on you know the happiest time of the year you know the most joyful time of the year I think sometimes it's refreshing to hear someone else say you know not always 100% that way for me um, and to be somewhat real about it. Um, gives other people permission to say, you know what, um, me too. So, um, you know, in that spirit of things, it's been a really great show. This is what NASCA is all about. It's all about, um, you know, having a platform to talk about these things. Um, 
And so I appreciate you, Kim, and Philip, and for being on tonight, um, especially Kim, my on my host team tonight, and my NASCA sister and and Philip, our NASCA brother, NASCA family member, and I will get on in, Instagram. But um, I really appreciate you both, um, and I thank you for um, for calling in and, and being on the show tonight, Philip and, and Kim. Thank you so much. So. Thank you. Um, Kim and I would like to bring your attention to please go on to nasca.org, N-A-A-S-C-A dot O-R-G. We are a fully self-sustaining organization, and we rely on your donations. Um, So I know it's December, and there's so many people asking for money. So um, even if it's a couple dollars, um, NASCA appreciates any donation um, that you're willing to give. Um, And it's on the front page of our website. You scroll towards the bottom, there's a link to PayPal. Um, And as I mentioned, even a dollar to five dollars, it just really, really helps. Um, And as you know, NASCA helps um, people all over the globe um, and will continue to do so now and into the future. So thank you very much. And uh, as I always say, when I sign off on the show, Um, there are enough adult eyes and ears on this planet to keep every single one of our children safe. So for uh, the adults, um, if you see something, if you hear something, please say something, do something, take action, because it is truly our responsibility to do so. So thank you all, and good night. Good night, Kim. Good night, Philip. Good night. Right. Right. Love Talk Radio.